This is Spark Science. I'm Regina Barber DeGraff. So I'm here at Geek Girl Con um, for the second year in a row. And I'm here with my daughter, who's Raven again this year. And we're going to have a great time at Geek Girl Con. So do you have anything to tell us about Geek Girl Con, Dory? Or shall I say Raven? All I have to say about it is that it's awesome. Uh, we'll come back to our co-host, Raven, who was our co-host last year, and we'll ask her more questions once she's actually done something in this uh, convention. <laughs> Here we go. Neutron, proton, mass effect, lyrical oxidation, you're irrelevant, mass spectrograph, your electron volt, atomic energy erupting as I get all open on betatrons, gamma rays, thermal cracking, cyclotron, any and every mic you're on, transuranium, if you're always uranium, molecule spontaneous combustion, bah. law of death. Nip proportion gaining weight. I'm every element around. This is Spark Science. We're here at Geek Girl Con, and I'm here talking to women of Pixar. They're going to be at a panel later today, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Angelique Reich, and I'm a lighting technical director at Pixar. And what that means is um, lighting TDs, we work very similar to cinematographers in live action films. But um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, but we're working all digitally. So uh, we have the same concepts, though, where we'll create lights digitally in our software, and we really want to adjust intensities and colors to create a certain mood or atmosphere. You know, um, in a dark sequence, we want it to be dark and scary and have lots of atmosphere, or there's a lot of bright happy sequences in our films so that's also a goal um, and I've been there for about 12 years now and I was the character lighting lead on Inside Out which is <laughs> which we just talked about so uh, yeah if there's any questions about that I'm happy to answer as well uh, my name is Ween and I am a render pipeline developer and so what that means is I'm basically a render farmer is what I call myself um, when um, the TDs, like Angelique, have to light their shots, they actually have to submit jobs to actually render out each frame of the movie. <clears throat> and so we use machines to do that. And so we call that the render farm. So it's a whole bunch of machines that are just up 24 hours a day. And they are just basically um, um, creating pixel by pixel the actual frame of the movie. Um, and so I'm on the team that manages um, all the machines and makes sure they stay up running. So, yeah. My name is Trina Roy. I am a RenderMan developer, um, it's a software engineer basically, and I work on the tools that Angelique uses in lighting and then get sent to the render farm that Ween works on, so I'm kind of working in between them. Um, I work on the software and the tools that actually take the digital scene, all the props and the characters and turn them into the final image. Um, it's called rendering, which turn, it just basically creates the image out of all the lights and, and um, characters. And So, I mean, as I'm listening to all of your titles, they're very, very STEM-oriented. You know, I mean, for the lighting, you need to know some physics, right, a lot of physics, and to manage these machines and to do software engineering. I mean, all of this is very technical and science-related. So what... What's your origin story, your, your real origin story, of how did you get into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, and then how do you use that a lot in your work? 
So for me, it happened kind of interestingly. Um, I was originally headed to college for architecture because I was really into art. Um, that was at Texas A&M University. I grew up in Houston. And um, when I got there, I had um, an open house one day for the College of Architecture. And I just happened to have a break in my schedule. So they say there's a fine line between coincidence and fate. And I feel like for me, that's like the, the if you could sum up my origin story, that's what it would be. Because I sat in on this um, this panel called um, the Visualization Laboratory. It's like, oh, that sounds interesting. And again, I could have done anything with that break. I could have gone and gotten lunch or a coffee, and instead it changed my life. So I went in and I found out that there were people who were learning how to uh, do animation and lighting and texturing, and they were getting hired by Pixar right there in the small town of College Station, Texas. So I immediately, I, I got out of there and I went and spoke to my advisor and I said, I want to go to the Viz Lab, is what we call it. Um, so I went and talked to them and they said that in order to do that, I had to get a computer science under grad or that that would be my best opportunity to get in which was terrifying to me at the time because um, I'd only ever used computers to send email and our computer one-on-one class in high school was like typing (laughs) so um, but anyway I went I went and I changed my major and it was tough it was extremely tough but I got through it um, often being one of four women in a class of about 50 or 60 it was definitely rough, um, but the girls that were there, we bonded together, <laughs> so made great friends there, and then um, got into the, um, got through that as an undergrad, got into the Viz Lab, thankfully for graduate school, and then um, came to Pixar as an intern on Cars. On Cars. On Cars, oh, yeah. way back in the day. <laughs> um, I kind of just stumbled across computers. Um, you know, my mom gave me a couple choices to be when I grew up, and they were. Um, business person or a doctor or a lawyer and I was like no I don't want any of those and so I ended up taking a computer science class and I really liked it Um, and so that's how I got into it Um, and then um, I wanted to talk about sort of how I got into computers uh, to computer graphics Um, there was one computer graphics class at um, UC Berkeley which is where I got my CS degree and um, it was deemed the hardest class, and it was true. It was very, very hard. But one of the um, projects, the final projects that we had to do was to, um, <clears throat> we had to create a sort of video game using GL way back then when we were using SGI machines and stuff. And so we created a bumper car game, and we, you know, had to think about collision and, like, movement and how fast and slow cars go and, and being able to detect, like, bouncing off correctly and stuff. And we f- Yes. Yeah, and so we finally, nice, and we finally um, built our little wall and stuff, and we were having a bumper car driving around, and the, and one of the cars, like, shot off into the corner and went into, like, this black space. And I was like, whoa, that was crazy, and that was a bug, and I have no idea who we are, and this was really awesome. And that kind of got me hooked on, actually, graphics and sort of more visualization type of um, computer science. And so I'd always kept an eye out on that, and... Um, I eventually got into Pixar, um, and I joined the tools department um, building our software, the next generation software. This is about 11 years ago, um, and it is now called Presto, and it took us a little bit longer than we thought it would to roll it out, and um, we, and the first movie that actually used our tool was um, Brave. So, yeah. Um, I actually started thinking about computer graphics back in high school, which was a long time ago, back when music videos were just getting started, um, when MTV actually played music videos. And um, I would see the cool graphics on screen, and I was really into music, and I thought, I want to do music videos. I want to make music videos. 
Um, so when I went to college, I ended up doing a computer graphics e kind of. They didn't have computer graphics back then. There didn't. There were no programs in animation or any of the the computer oriented arts. And so I kind of made it up myself and then got a job doing some simple stuff. Um, and my boss at the time knew what I wanted to do, that I wanted to do 3D graphics and visualization. And he's like, you've you got to get out of here. You've got to go to grad school. And so he kind of kicked me out and pushed me on my way. And I'm forever grateful for, to him for doing that. Um, and, yeah, so then I went to a... Uh, University of Illinois at Chicago where it was visualization and it was both art and engineering. So I kind of got my introduction into the art world and sort of the art aspect of programming. So it was a really good balance between the two. And So that's how I ended up in computer graphics. Cool. So I'm going to ask another question. So when I was um, I grew up here in Washington State and I went to Western Washington University where, where I now teach and I remember towards the end of that physics degree I was very like lost. I was like what do I want to do with my life? And I remember looking at a Pixar job opening and it was like for a physicist but I was like oh my god I'm totally going to do this but they really wanted more computer science and that was like that was a field that I did not get enough classes in and I was I didn't feel very confident in. Um, but I, I'm you know I was always into art and I was, I was a drawer and all that kind of stuff. So um, for our listeners who have some science background or maybe have some art background, what would you suggest to them if they wanted to you know go and work for Pixar? I think it's too late for me. But um, <laughs> what 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 can you do? What assets do, can anyone use? And what can they like kind of tag on to that? I, I, so it definitely depends on the department that you're interested in. Um, but one of the things that I love about, I can speak to light, the lighting department, is that we have people who are on all ends of the technical spectrum. We have people who are incredible coders um, to people who are almost pure artists. And the beauty of that is that we have amazing people who are writing our software, <laughs> like Trina, um, and, yeah, yeah, that, um, that enable us to, it, it abstracts a lot of the physics that you were talking about. It abstracts a lot of you know, the coding. We, we don't have to do that on a daily basis. We have really user-friendly tools that enable our artists to create amazing work without having to think about what's going on behind the scenes. But then we also have our technical lighters who are building extra tools for us to make things easier all the time, and they really get into the nitty-gritty of, you know, of the code and, and, um, and writing tools. So um, you can really fall. I kind of fall. I lean more artistic, but, um, but I do a little coding. Um, so, but, but you can be anywhere in that spectrum, and, and that's the great part about our team. And I feel like a, a lot of teams at Pixar are like that. It's never, never too, too late. late. <laughs> um, so in my department, you know, we manage machines and we manage all the software that runs on those machines. And so um, the a variety of experience can actually vary pretty greatly, you know, because you could actually really be at the hardware level where you're, you know, figuring out how to put together a computer, pushing buttons, you know, swapping out hard drives, et cetera, et cetera, troubleshooting the network, you know, to make sure the computers can talk to each other at that level. Or you could be, you know, a pretty much a solid, you know, software engineer where you're working on the um, our scheduling system to schedule all the jobs onto all of these, you know, 2,000 machines that we have, we right? Have yeah, there's so we do have project managers as well. So you could also, you know, go into um, learning how to manage projects and, um, you know, because somebody needs to make sure that the software actually gets rolled out and so on and so forth. Um, and so there is a wide variety of ranges as well. Um, it's not as much art to computer science, but more just sort of software development and also hardware as well. Um, this is Trina. Um, 
Uh, again, we our group sits in between Angelique and Ween. Um, it's we're the render man group, so it's it's purely a software um, team. We write software, but a lot of the engineers on our team are also artists, and it helps to sort of have that background a little bit. Um, but it also there's a lot of just um, analytic tools that you need, like logic, and just you know if you have physics, you already have sort of the brain to you know, to work out problems and understand the physics of light, because we use the physics of light a lot to understand how to write the software and how to make it easy for an artist to to tweak it. We kind of need to read, read between the lines to write the code to do what someone wants to do without knowing what the technology is, if that made any sense. But, but like you said, making the tool easier to use involves, okay, they want to make it you know, squigglier. What does that mean as far as parameters and that kind of stuff? And so, um, as far as what you'd want to do to get into Pixar, um, yeah, it's kind of like have some, you know, passion for movies, which, you know, everybody does to some degree. But, um, yeah, it's all over the map. It's, it's kind of cool that way, actually, because yeah. there's all, you know, we have PhDs and we have people who didn't graduate from college, right. you know. Most are high school graduates, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you're smart and passionate and, you know, and yeah. Yeah. My name is Ween. Um, and so I was going to say, you know, I think that if you do have a science degree like physics or chemistry or biology, even to a certain extent, um, you know, I would encourage everybody to take one or two just coding classes, intro to programming, just so that you just have something official like on your resume because that will make you stand out a little bit um and you know it's like once you learn physics i mean learning how to code is really i think way easier than learning physics personally yes, yeah. so but just to have a couple coding classes so you're just familiar with some of the terms and you know i think the thought process that you have to go through to solve physics problems and um coding problems are actually very very similar so at least if you can just demonstrate oh you know i'm not totally like you know, I don't understand what a for loop is kind of thing. It's, you know, they're like, yeah. So it's already, already a, a step ahead. And, you know, it's, and at Pixar, really, it's not how much code you've written, how beautiful it is. And, you know, it's really, can you really take this problem and solve it and work with other people and be okay with not using your idea, right? So those are actually the more important qualities, I think, that yeah, Pixar looks for. Um. Um, it doesn't need to be C++ or uh, it can be Python or whatever, but it's all about understanding the constructs behind coding and, and problem solving and the logic behind it. That's really what the, the, the traits are. So I want to go back around and if this time we can say our name, but I wanted to let you share a really like your best story about working at Pixar like this the story you tell people like if you're at a, a dinner party and you know no there's not a lot of Pixar people there you know you're at a family gathering what story do you tell because that's what our listeners want to hear right If you're just joining us, this is Spark Science. I'm Regina Barbara DeGraff, and today we're at Geek Girl Con interviewing the Women of Pixar panel. So now we're going to hear your favorite Pixar story. 
So I'm Angelique Reich, and um, I hope this is an inspirational story to all of your listeners out there because um, it started. Uh, so I, I was an um, an intern on Cars, um, so lowest person on the totem pole basically. And I came in, and um, we did have a lot of rendering challenges on Cars because uh, we were ray tracing for the first time. Um, so we were doing true reflections in the cars um, and the bumpers. And, and um, take a second. And sure. In, in physics, ray tracing is when you have, um, you represent light as in rays. There's various models of light, but the, those rays reflect in the angle of incidence is the same angle of refre- reflection. So um, so we use that visually, right? Is that what you do yeah, as yeah. well? And like you use principal rays and you find out where like the image will be and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Okay. That's I don't know if that helps right. the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so for example, if we have um, a character with a chrome bumper and there's a sagebrush, you know, in front of him, we're going to reflect that sagebrush. We want to shoot a ray from the camera and we want to see, you know, when we hit the bumper, we're then going to shoot more rays and see what do those rays hit and, and then do the lighting calculations and the shading calculations to figure out the pixel color at that point on the bumper. So it becomes incredibly expensive um, when you add ray tracing in. So there were a lot of, um, a lot of issues we had to deal with with cars in terms of these prep times because we'd have all this geometry in the world because now we're reflecting things behind the camera um, and it was a huge problem for the show we were spending hours and hours in prep time before the render even started and I was this little rendering TD and I had I had a crazy idea I was like um, let, what if I we had a program that would tell us every pixel in, in the uh, every um, every uh, object in a pixel and I ended up um, writing a program that basically just said okay if you're not in the image or if you're too small we're just gonna rip, rip you out and um, and and it ended up, you know, I said, so yeah, so it was just this, this little script that I worked on. I didn't even tell anybody about it because I was like, this totally isn't going to work. <laughs> but I'm going to try it. So I worked on it at night. And um, and I remember the first night I launched the render that has was a control render and the render with my working program to reduce prep times. And my husband and I, he works there as well. Um, we went to dinner and we came back. And my the my render that had I had run my program on was already halfway through rendering, and the other one was still in prep. And I was just like, I did it. <laughs> so it was so yeah, it, that, it, yeah, it basically. <laughs> so that was a huge moment. So I say to everyone out there, don't doubt yourself. Give it a try, you know, because you never know. Uh, you know, you may have an amazing experience like that. And we ended up deploying it on the show, and it decreased prep times across our whole show. So that was, yeah, that's my best Pixar story. (laughs) Thanks. I did get a full-time job out of it. (laughs) My name is Ween, and I'm going to talk a little bit about an anecdote. Um, And this was, so I was hired to work on the animation software tool. And so all of our our animation tool is actually all custom and in-house. And... I started when Cars, right after, right when Cars was about to come out. Um, And then during Up, when um, they were, you know, doing a lot of footage and research for Up, there was an email that went out that said, do you have a dog? Does your dog make sounds and noises? You know, would you like to have your dog come and do a voice recording for for a movie, Up, that we're doing? And so I was like, oh, I have a dog. Yeah, and I can make my dog make really funny sounds you know, on command, basically. And so I was like, I'll do it. And so I signed up, and I, it was E.J. Holowicki at that time, um, who was a sound editor. So I met with him, and, you know, he comes walking in with a big fuzzy microphone and the thing, and, and he's like, I'm going to meet you at Soundhenge, which was our sound recording studio at the time. And so we go in, and I go into the sound room, 
totally quiet. It was really cool. And it was like, you know, the big foam things were on the walls and stuff. And he's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, can you like make your dog make all these noises? And so, you know, I was like, my dog's name was Tia. And I was like, Tia, bark, you know, howl and all this stuff. And she was kind of making some noises. And she was kind of freaked out about the big fuzzy speaker, you know. But then she got kind of used to it, and then she wasn't quite making the sounds that I wanted her to make. And I was like, I know, if I leave the room and you say the commands, she will just go off, right? So I left the room, and I stood outside, and for like 10 minutes, he just said the commands, and she made all these noises. And um, he made a recording for me, so I got this clip later on. It was like a minute and a half long. And it's funny, because when I watch up, there's parts of it where I'm like, that is Tia, because I know what her sound sounds like. And um, so my dog isn't up. And yeah, the fuzzy thing. Yeah, it totally worked. And, um, and that was also the year my daughter was born. And so one of the Pixar traditions is you can put production babies on there. And so my daughter's name is on there. And my dog, you know, and my dog, he did not, she did not get a credit. But, you know, in our hearts, we know she's in that movie. So that's my Pixar story. <laughs> Um, mine isn't quite as specific. I've only been at Pixar for a couple of years, but um, I was hired as part of the team to rewrite a lot of the lighting software, and there was this, uh, sort of a, a huge turnover of how Pixar does their lighting and tools and rendering. Um, it was just sort of a, a an upgrade of the whole deal. And it was rebuilding the engine while the, while the car is going, which is kind of a scary thing. So we worked really hard on it for a long time. Um, and when it finally came down, it was used on Finding Dory. That was the first movie. So I worked for a couple of years before I actually got... Yes, exactly. Finding your daughter. Yes. Um, so when Finding Dory was finally coming out and we were at the uh, the rap party and sitting down and listening to the directors and everything talk about the new pipeline and how everything worked, um, and then finally seeing it on screen, it was just a huge amount of pride and like, wow, we actually we did it oh my god and our movie is on the screen and it's just um it's just really fun to be able to s see the results of what you're working on and and then have people come up to you and say i love finding dora that was the greatest movie i love pixar movies they're so awesome and just to be a part of that of making people really happy and um they just you know it's it's a cool place to work that uh, such a beloved company and to be even just a tiny little part of that is awesome. So as you say that, I'm going to ask my, my co-host here, Raven, whose real name is Dory. Dory, um, what, did you find, um, what did you think about finding Dory? What would you say to these women who worked on at, at, at Pixar? I would say that thank you for using my name in it. <laughs> <laughs> D did you like the movie Finding Dory? Yeah, I really liked it. What was your favorite part? My favorite part was at the beginning when she was a little baby. That was really cute. Okay, what's, what's your favorite part um, of Ratatouille? I know that's your other favorite Pixar movie. One of my favorite parts of Ratatouille, I mean, like, I have a lot of favorite parts of it. Um, So... One of my favorite parts was when um, the rat was in um, his shirt. <laughs> Do you know what my favorite part is? How real the food looks. It makes me so hungry. I love that movie. I want to eat ratatouille. <laughs> All right. Okay, go, go away now. I love you. <laughs> um, so th my last question, and it's the question I posed at the very beginning, was 
since this is Geek Girl Con and I'm dressed up as a superhero and really you're all superheroes. Like I, I just I'm so like enamored in what you do and it's just really awesome. Um, but if you were a superhero, what would your power be and what would be your origin story? But you can tell me also while you're thinking about that, you can also tell me your favorite like thing about pop culture right now. And it can be it does not have to be your work related. I mean, I was talking to a scientist and they're like, I'm really into Game of Thrones right now. You know, and that's very geek culture, you know, but not necessarily sci fi. So. You can answer that. All right. So my husband and I binge watched Stranger Things on in like a weekend. Oh. <laughs> it was amazing. So that that's probably the most surprising. And I love. I, I'm an '80s child, so it just played to every part of me, from the soundtrack to the graphics to the you know. Yeah, I, we need more of that. The show that I love to watch is Agents of Shield. Actually, May kicks butt, <laughs> and you know if I I would want to be her as my superhero because um, she's just all around cool and she can survive any fight and um, and they always think that she can't do it and she always does well, which is awesome Calvary. yeah and my superpower would be to be able to travel at the speed of light um, I'm also a huge Marvel geek um, I love the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all the movies and stuff um, but Batman is kind of my yeah, exactly. Uh, I worked for a company in London, a visual effects company, and the um, the first movie I worked on there was Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix. And the section I did was the Hall of Prophecies. So that entire room, that entire sequence is all digital. It's The only thing real is the kids and the wands. And so we built the room digitally, um, built all the shelves with all the prophecies, and then we ran physics simulations to knock them all down and destroy the whole thing and all the glass breaking and the smoke coming up and all the prophecies breaking. I remember watching that sequence and being like, oh, this is really falling, like, this, like these collisions. Yeah, we were using physics, yeah. Um, and the part where they sort of stack, they domino, that was just a test. Like we were trying to, we were testing the physics and the director or the, the VFX supervisor saw that and like, oh, we have to add, add that to the movie. And so we threw that in there, um, which is really cool. And then um, after that, I worked on The Dark Knight. I did the helicopter crash in The Dark Knight um, and a couple of other small things. And then I was on set for The Dark Knight Rises, taking photographs. And so there was one morning when uh, my coworker and I, we were, were just starting work, and we came in, we had our coffee, and we had to do some test lighting in the Batcave on set. So we're standing there waiting for you know, our chance to get in there, and we're like, you know what? We're having coffee in the Bat Cave. How cool is our job? It was amazing. That was kind of a yeah. That was a highlight career before Pixar. I haven't been at Pixar that long. But. Well, um, so I don't know if our listeners heard all of that, but I was like crazy geeking out and almost dying that she told <laughs> that she told us about Harry Potter and Batman. Those are the like the two things that I, you know, Doctor Lighter. Dr. Barbara DeGraff is obsessed with right now, and throughout my whole life, I've been obsessed with those things. Um, Dory, would you like to add something? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> would Would you like to say your your superhero sure. power? 
Okay, so I think I'm a, I'm a new mom. I have a 10-month-old at home. So I think my super – I'd have to be like super mom somehow <laughs> or Elastigirl <laughs> because uh, I think she's – and, you know, for Elastigirl's like she's an amazing mom, but she's still a superhero. And I definitely have that feeling where I'm pulled both ways because I love my job and I love what I go do every day, but I miss my daughter every day. So um, I think I would have to create some kind of superpower that would enable me to be home with her and play with her all day and take care of her all day but still be at work and taking care of my job there that I love so (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think my superpower superpower would probably be um like indestructibility or strength strength and speed kind of combination of Batman and Superman that would just kind of give me a lot you know um yeah just sort of like May in 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 Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just to be able to kick some butt yeah I love it Well, I want to say thank you, and I want to say thank you for doing all that awesome physics in the Harry Potter scene with the... um with all the orbs and the domino effect, like like I said when you were talking, I was watching that movie and really thinking about physics because you, sometimes you can't not. And uh, I think about physics in Ratatouille as well with that scene where he's swinging on the chandelier. And I was like, would he have enough mass to actually like do that? Like I was thinking about that just the other day. But I want to thank you so much for talking with me. You have really made my day. And this is just the first interview, and I'm super excited. So I hope your panel goes really, really well. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. We just interviewed very awesome women at Seattle's Geek Girl Con. If you missed any of the show, go to our website, sparksciencenow.com or kmre.org and click on the podcast link. We'll be back again next week. Listen to us on 102.3 FM in Bellingham or kmre.org streaming on Sundays at 5 p.m., Thursdays at noon, and Saturdays at 3 p.m. If there's a science idea that you're curious about, send us an email or post a message on our Facebook page, Spark Science. You can follow us on Twitter at at SparkScienceNow. Today's episode was recorded on location in Seattle, Washington. Our producer is Regina Barber-DeGraff. The engineer for today's show is Natalie Moore. Our theme music is Chemical Calisthenics by Black Alicious and Wonderland by Janelle Monet. Our feature song today was Jay Dilla, So Far To Go. Spark Science is an all-volunteer-run show, and if you'd like to donate, go to KMRE.org and click on the Donate button. Lead, gold, tin, iron, platinum, zinc. When I wrap your thing, iodine, nitrate, activate. Right uranium, the only difference is I transmit sound. Balance with some balance, then you add a little talent in. Careful, careful with those ingredients. They can explode and blow up if you drop them and they hit the ground.